But uh, God is here is a message we want to bring to you today. Now, in the truest sense of the word, God is everywhere, amen? He is ever-present help in time of trouble, the scripture says. There's a big theological term called omnipresence, and it means God is here. He's always here. The difference is if we're aware of his presence. And God wants to remind us in this season, and yea, in every season, that God is present for you. It's easy sometimes when things go tough in your life and you don't know how to navigate through them to wonder where is God in the midst of all of this. And sometimes it's just as simple as acknowledging his presence that you find his presence. One of the things that we've tried to do at this church is remind you of the presence of the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit is a third member of that trinity And he comes to minister to you, to comfort you, to empower you, to bring gifts to you, and to come alongside you in all your endeavors. And there's a sense in which we can can encourage his presence and his awareness in our midst. And we do that by acknowledgement. We do that by saying, God is here. The Christmas story wouldn't be complete unless we go back into the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah, chapter 7 and verse 14. These are words that you've heard. These are words that should never become common to us. The scripture said, and this was prophetic, this was written 700 years before the birth of Christ, said the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And that means God with us. God is with us, God is here. In Isaiah chapter nine and verse six, it says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is born is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. You know, it's a great reminder in in Isaiah's day as well as in the day of Christ and well as our day, governments are corrupt. Governments are difficult, and and you have to navigate through uh, like like threading a needle to try to figure out how do we thrive in the midst of government And I want you to know that God is above the government, that we bow our knee not to the government, but to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says there's coming a time when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's not a matter if people will bow the knee. It's only a matter of when do you bow the knee to Jesus Christ. The latest mandate asking us to wear a mask, uh, I reject But we also give you the freedom to make your own decision. You see, that's part of what it means to be a believer. It's part of what it means to be an American, is that we have freedom. True freedom comes in Christ. The Bible says, you, the Son, sets free, is free indeed. So you really never experience complete freedom until you understand that you've been freed from the power of sin over your life. And that in the place of that sin comes power the power of Almighty God. Amen? When we talk about the virgin birth, it really is that that concept in Scripture that is so important that if you ignore it or you dismiss it or you say that's not important, you miss out on everything the Bible is about. You see, the virgin birth is a fulfillment of biblical prophecy. We just read in Isaiah, a virgin will conceive, give birth to a child, to a son. 
And you see, the virgin birth is so important because it is that miraculous move of God that breaks the cycle of sin. You know, have you ever noticed how little children, you never have to teach them how to sin? I, I didn't have to teach our kids how to be selfish. I said, come on, guys, get together. I want to tell you how to not to share your toys. Somehow they did that naturally. It came naturally and easily to them. I can remember when the boys were little and they both were in that bottle stage. They were so close together and, and Jeremy would finish his and then he would go after Joshua's bottle. And Josh would clamp down on that nipple and hold it as tight as he could and finally it would break loose. He'd fly against the back of the crib and Jeremy would succeed with the bottle. I didn't teach him that. You see, you don't have to learn that because in a sense, we're born with a nature that is sinful. And it's only in Christ that, that that sin nature is replaced by a new nature created after the likeness and the image of God himself. And it doesn't mean that we're sinless. It means that we have an awareness of sin and that we do sin less and less. And when you come to understand this change of life, you understand the virgin birth is critically important because without that, that sin nature is carried on into generations. But Jesus broke that at his birth and he broke that at his death. He broke it for you. You see, the virgin birth also provides hope for your future because if, if God didn't say what he said, mean what he, he meant, then where are we? If there is no hope and no promise of eternity, where do we find ourselves? I think we find ourselves without hope. And yet God wants us to live in hope. You see, God is a God of miracles. Have you ever noticed that? God is a God of miracles. I love the stories that people tell about our prayer wall and how prayers put in that wall have been answered. I wish we had a better way to hear from you how many prayers have been answered. One of my friends just let me know that their son was trying to get into medical school and he wasn't, it just wasn't happening. And they put a prayer in the prayer wall and the next week they got, he got accepted to a medical school. Now, you know, that, that's a different kind of miracle than someone that, you know, wants to have a baby. We have those stories and people who couldn't have a baby and they become pregnant. And different kind of story of someone who had an economic need or a physical need. But you see, God is a God of miracles. And a miracle is a supernatural intervention into the natural realm whereby we cannot give it any credit other than to go to God. That is a miracle. And God wants us to understand, relate to, and experience miracles on a regular basis. You see, our religion, our Christianity, is supernatural. That means it takes the natural and it goes beyond the natural into that realm of amazement. God wants you to live as an amazed person. I'm amazed at what God has done, should be the words of your lip. Look what it says in Luke chapter one in verse 30 through 35. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, you know, an angel shows up in the middle of the night it could bring a little fear. But he says, I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to understand what's happening here. You found favor. Favor is something you find. You find it by the way you live your life. You find it by the faith you put in God. You find it by aligning yourself with the principles of Almighty God in Scripture. 
And all of a sudden, you're going down the road, and you go, wow, this is amazing. How did this happen? That was the favor that you found because you walked with God. He says, you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb, bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus, Savior. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. Here's the miracle. And, will, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, you can imagine, I mean, try to put this in contemporary world. Your 13 or 14-year-old daughter comes to you and says, I'm pregnant. Well, how'd this happen? Holy Spirit came upon me. Yeah, if you're a dad, you, you want to find the Holy Spirit. You got something to say to him. But you see, they were so steeped in the prophecy of the Old Testament that somehow this made sense, whereas it does not make sense to us today. They understood this was a miracle they were looking for. There was going to be a virgin that was going to conceive, was going to give birth. His name was going to be called Jesus. He was going to be the Son of God. He was going to save mankind from their sins. This is what they looked for. What I've found in my life is that miracles flow from the favor of God. Whenever I seek to be in the favor of God, miracles just seem to come. I don't know how they're going to come. I don't know when they're going to come, from whom they're going to come. But miracles seem to be coming our way. And we want everyone in this building, we want everyone that identifies in this church, whether you're in this building or watching online or whether you're outside in our worship center, we want you to experience the favor of God. And it comes with alignment with the things of God. But also, miracles reveal the very love of God. You see, when a miracle comes, you go, wow, I think God loves me. You say, I'd need a miracle. Let me tell you this. The fact that you're alive is your first miracle. The fact that God loves you, died for your sins, and if you believed on him, there's your second miracle. You see, you can leave the room today with two miracles. Just simply put, two miracles. I want to take you back to... Nine years ago, 10 soon in, in February of, of 2012, it was our first decade, and we called our first decade here a decade of pioneers, where we had people that were just uh, determined to get this building built, to establish a church. And as I was watching all these kids, I thought, had we not started a church, I wonder how many of these kids would not be in church, how many of you as parents would not be saved, committed to God, and God used this opportunity in our life as pioneers to build. Well, we are in the business, if you've not been here, um, if you have been here, you've heard about this about seven times. Today will be the last time I will talk about it because I'm going to report a miracle. Let me show you the building. Here's the building that we're buying. We put a contract on this. We will close somewhere around the middle of January on this building. We're calling it our new uh, ministry center. And uh, God has provided it. It is literally next door. Here's the next picture. I'll show you where it is. Its location. Our goal is to, uh, down the road, uh, as time goes on, to acquire more of those buildings. And, uh, and then eventually we'll punch out all the walls of this building, and this whole building will be our worship center. So we have a long-term plan of what we're going to do. The second decade, we're calling builders, 
And in the builder's decade, this is a decade that you are a part of if you're a part of this church or desire to be a part of this church. We want to begin to refer to you as builders because you are now entering into this next one. And what do builders do? They set the tone for the future. You know, you think about a builder, and right now we're under construction in the front. We have so much going on. We're under construction on the front of the building, and we're buying a second building. But the builders, and we have many people in our church who are engaged in that as volunteers and helping us build this building. And if all goes well, before our anniversary, we'll have the front completely done. You'll be able to see how beautiful it's going to be and what changes we made. But also, builders create a legacy for the next generation, you know, some things you do for your children, you will never experience it, but they will, because you'll go on, but they will be there to leave a legacy for their children. You know, the Bible says a wise man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. They don't just think about their children. They think about, what about future generations? One of the reasons that we stood strong through the, through the close down, the lockdown of churches is because we believed in legacy. We believe in the power of God. We believe the church was essential in all aspects of being. Amen? And so also, builders sacrifice to make the world a better place. You see, nothing significant's ever done without sacrifice. Jesus demonstrated that in his own death. When you sacrifice for your kids, you're saying, I love you. I'm gonna make you better. I'm gonna make the world better for you. When you sacrifice for the kingdom, you're making the world a better place. When you came and brought, I don't know how many thousands upon thousands of dollars of toys and gift cards and blankets. I think there was something like, what, nine or 1,200 blankets alone that were given. But when you do those kind of things, you know, that's a sacrifice. I believe this was the largest year we ever had for giving of toys to the Boys and Girls Club. So much so that we have an overflow for many of you, and, and you know, if we don't run out of these, we'll find someone with, that needs toys. To please do not hesitate to say, I wanna, I, do not be ashamed, do not worry about it. You know, in a family, you help each other. Church is supposed to be a family, it's supposed to be a community, so we're supposed to help each other. And there's gonna be a time when someone's gonna cry, you should cry with them. When someone laughs, you're gonna laugh, because that's what it means to be a part of the family. Well, our purchase price on the building was uh, a little over $6 million, and our goal uh, was to raise 20% of that, or about $1.2 million. And so uh, <clears throat> I just want to report to you where we are. We need $34,300 to finish that goal, but I'm a man of faith. Jesse, I'm going to have my assistant Jesse come up here. So here is a check we had made out for $1.215 million uh, in faith, re believing that the other $34,000 would come in this morning. So I have put my number up there. If you want to text me and say, Pastor Phil, I'd like to give $5,000, $10,000, I'd like to give $20, whatever you'd like to give, if you could do that, I've got my phone right here. I'm going to watch it. <laughs> and if we don't get the 34, I'm going to just keep preaching till we do. Is that fair enough? Amen. So we also, I, I love the fact that uh, Michael put on here, the check number is 2012. You know, it's the little things in life that make a difference. Thank you so much, Jesse. Here's, here's the third thing I want to bring you to, that God controls the future. You don't control your future. You can help your future. 
You can cooperate with God in your future, but God controls the future. That's true of an individual. That's true of a nation. It's true of a world. Never become discouraged because the future doesn't look bright. Just remember God is in control of it. Look what it says in Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 7. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it, to establishment, judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of the hosts will perform it. Here's the thing I want you to know, that God is in control of your future if you cooperate with him. Well, how do I cooperate with God? Sometimes it's a simple prayer like this. God, I just wanna, I wanna know what you want me to do. I wanna walk in your steps. I wanna be faithful to you. You'd be surprised that simple little prayer, mouth on a daily basis, what it would cha- how it would change your life. The Bible says many are the plans of men, but God directs the steps. God says make your plans, but allow room for me to really direct the path of your life. Allow me to be your God. Acknowledge me. Do not worry. The Bible says, do not worry or have anxiety about anything. But by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It says, don't have anxiety. Don't worry. Don't be fearful. No, pray Seek my face and trust me for your future. You see, because God is greater than our circumstances. You ever thought about that? I ask people, how you doing? Well, pretty good under the circumstances. I would just say, well, get out from under them. Those are, that's not a good place to be. You know, I got out on the wrong side of the bed. Well, get back in and get on out of the other one. I mean, you know, there's simple solutions to problems, amen? But God is ready to act on your behalf. Sometimes you just have to say, God, would you act on my behalf? Would you show me today? Would you intervene in my life some way, somehow, that I might know that you are God and that you are engaged in my life? Sometimes you'll be walking out to church and someone will say something. You go, that's it. That's what I needed to hear. Sometimes you'll be reading a scripture and it's like the scripture will just pop out of the page and say, that's it. That's what you needed to hear. Sometimes just a peace and a calm will come over you. You say, that's it. That's what I needed in my life. Don't make it super complicated. Make it simple. God loves simple. Amen? Amen. Well, I want you to stand with me. I'm gonna, I want to pray with you. And I ask you to stand because I, I think if you change your posture, it also changes the way you're thinking and you're listening. Here's what I ask you to do, and we're gonna, I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to ask you, if you're not certain that you know the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask you today to invite him to be your Lord and your Savior, to be your protector, to be your guide, to be all that you need in your life. If you are a Christian, you say, I do know I'm a Christian, I'm going to ask you to turn over all the, the future to him. Anything you're worrying about, give it to him. Trust God. Amen. Let's just bow our heads for a moment. I'm gonna pray with you right now. And maybe everyone in the room could pray this prayer so people feel encouraged and not feel all alone in doing this. But a prayer goes like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross to save me from my sins. I believe you rose from the dead to give me life. Come into my life, Lord Jesus, and save me. The Bible says 
If we confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will be saved. It's a great promise. If that was your prayer and you prayed it in faith, God saved you. Would you just lift your hand up and just acknowledge to God, God, I want to just say this morning, right now, God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you and bless you. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. All over this room, just raising your hand. You know, the Bible says, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. Think about that. Is that not powerful? Is that not powerful? Amen. And if you're a Christian, walk in the path of God. Amen. 